We welcome you today to our fourth Sunday of Advent here at Weston Park Baptist Church. <clears throat> we trust that this season has been a chance for you to find some moments of rest and peace, contemplation, even in the midst of hurry and anxiety and worry, stress over COVID and so on. It remains a season that invites us to reflect and think of who Christ is and what he has done for us. So the story of Advent, God coming to us in Jesus Christ. And so we've been using two quotes to begin with. Oh, unsearchable mystery. God has taken our human nature. He has deigned to be born of the virgin in order to make us sharers in his own divinity. Quite a remarkable statement from the liturgy of Christmas. And then a piece from Coretto again, to enable humans to take their place in the family of God. God entered the family of humanity. With the incarnation for the first time, the unbridgeable was bridged from above to below. So in Christ, something absolutely new happens. And that is that God breaks into the human world to take on human nature. So in the Old Testament, God speaks through the prophets and so on, but never has he become one of us. So this is the, the unsearchable mystery that uh, the liturgy speaks about. So God becoming one of us. So to look at this uh, in another window, last week we looked at Jesus as our friend and here, at the end, we're going to be thinking of Jesus as our brother. And so we begin by looking at the concluding prayer in John 17, the upper room discourse. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. And here in this prayer, this is the concluding prayer of Christ in the upper room with his disciples before he goes out to Gethsemane, before he's going to be arrested. So this prayer reveals the heart of Jesus. It reveals the heart and mind of Christ. Just before he goes into this very stressful time of his own, this is what he's thinking about. And so verse 1, we can just look at it in a bit more depth, and it begins with the statement, uh, Father, Father, the hour has come. And we remember in, with Christ when he uses the word Father, pater, in Greek it's, it's Abba, because he's speaking Aramaic, it's Abba. He goes to God as Abba, his loving Father, his intimate Father, one in close relationship. And so this is what Jesus, this is how he sees God and experiences God. It's in this intimate way. Prodigal son returning back to his father who runs out to meet him. Abba. And of course we know in the epistles that Paul encourages us that we can pray in the same way. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. 
Jesus used the word Abba, we can use the word Abba. So it means that in the midst of all the stuff that's going on in our world, all the new stressors that COVID keeps bringing to us, this new Omicron variant and uh, how virile it is and contagious, we, we, we're concerned about that. But in the midst of it all, we live under the loving arms and within the hands of God. That's, that's our confidence and assurance that God is with us, that we are not alone in the midst of all of this. So Jesus, in his stressful moment, calls out to his Abba Father. And then he says, my hour has come. So my critical hour in Advent, I come, I've been born in Bethlehem, I grow up in Nazareth, here I am in this critical hour of ministry. Verse 4 says, the work you gave me to do, I have finished the work you gave me to do. My hour has come. And so this critical peace within Christ's life is upon him. It's the conclusion, if you like, of the Jesus project. It's Jesus' death and his resurrection, his ascension to the Father. My hour has come and I know that I am with you in close relationship. This is where Jesus begins. And for him, it's all about giving glory back to the Father. Note, glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. All of that's in verse 1. So Jesus is concerned about giving glory to God. In Christ, it's always about leading people to Abba. He's not concerned about leading people to himself. His goal is to give glory to Abba, praise to Abba. And so for us, I mean, ultimately, that, that's what our lives are about. Can we enter into a relationship of giving glory to God, giving glory to Abba, to live in his presence? That's where Jesus is at as he begins his prayer. And so he reminds us then, of, as he went to the Father, that we are invited to go to the Father in the midst of all our circumstances, all our challenges, all of the stuff that isn't going quite right, all of the issues that are bringing stress into our lives, to keep being reminded that we live in close relationship with our Creator and Savior and Redeemer, and he is on our side, that we belong to him. That's how Jesus begins this prayer. It's, 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 it's amazing. And so then in light of that, Paul says, you know, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed, to let that truth of what Jesus is saying actually transform our hearts, our minds, our thinking. Romans 12, 2. Jesus carries on, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life, to all whom you have given him. And that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, hear that, the only true God, you, and they may know you, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what's, again, on Christ's heart and mind. And so it's about the impartation of life. Jesus comes and he prays and he says, I want to give life to those to whom you have given me. So there's a play on words to give. Three times the words give are used in two and three. To give eternal life to all you have given me. 
You have given him authority to do this. So three times this language of giving. And we mentioned last week that Jesus is about giving himself. It is self-giving. God gives of himself in Christ. Christ gives of himself. The Father and the Son give the Holy Spirit to us. It is all giving. God is not forced to do this. He wants to give himself to us so that if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. That, that kind of dynamic is set up as the book of James does. God gives of himself. And Jesus begins and, and continues with that theme that I want to give life, zoe, to those who you have given me. Zoe is this continual knowing of God and his son, a continual deepening, going deeper in the love of God for us. And, and indeed, heaven, eternal life is about that. It's an ongoing exploration of knowing God and living in relationship with God, which brings joy and abundance to bring us life. So now, in the midst of our day, in our season of life where, where we are at right now, can we live in the consciousness that God is with you and he is with me? And the, and the challenge we face is that we turn away from that. We get interrupted in that awareness through the stressors of life, the little stressors that keep coming our way. And they take us and move us away from this sense of living in God's presence, practicing the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence reminded us. We want to hang on to our little gods, hang on to the values of the world, hang on to stuff that can hinder our dynamic of living with God. Think of Rebecca Isaac's wife, when they're about to get married and she's leaving the home of her family and she's leaving but she hides, remember, the household gods under her saddle. She doesn't want to leave them. She wants to take them with her. We are often like that. We want to know God but we also want everything else and we can hold on to whatever those idols, small household gods are. Jesus wants us to know his presence, God's presence, the giving of himself. That's where he's going in this prayer. And then he concludes this portion of it by saying, I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. Jesus returns to this theme of glory. I am finishing the work that you gave me. What is the work? My hour, my life and my death, my resurrection, my ascension. I'm finishing this work and my heart is upon glorifying you. I want to give glory to you. That's how he sums it up. And so as Jesus had his work, we also have our work, we, whatever that might be. Our, the role that we play in knowing God, our ongoing work for God, our vocation in knowing him and passing his love on to others. How do we glorify God? 
How do we give him glory? That's part of our calling. That's part of our life mission. In your years upon the earth, how do you give glory to God? Do I give him any glory? Or do I simply live for myself and my own pleasure? Many people on our planet, it's just simply I want to live for myself, here in the West for sure. Do my thing, my kingdom, not your kingdom, my will, not your will. So Jesus reminds us then of our vocation, of of, of knowing God, of going deeper and valuing what we can do for him. Ruth Finnegan writes, what people do with their free time in both leisure pursuits and volunteer activities is more important in shaping their pathways than what they do for a living. There's quite truth in that. You may do some job, whatever it is, in your nine to five, but what you do with your own free time, how you come alongside, how you help, how you encourage people, share with them, share light, share love, that is actually more of importance than than what you're doing for your job. So what we do in our leisure pursuits and volunteer activities is important as it is us fulfilling our true vocation. So bringing these things together, last week we heard that Jesus was our friend. Well, the scriptures also teach us that Jesus is our brother. So Hebrews 2, 11 to 12 writes, for the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. That means Jesus has one father and his work for us, we have one father, is the same. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Twice, we are brothers and sisters of Christ. So Christ is our Lord. Christ is our Messiah. Christ is our Savior. Christ is our friend. Christ is also our brother. And what that means is that we have this familial relationship with God. God breaks into our world, but he breaks into our world in Christ in a way that we might come into this dynamic of family, of of friendship, and also of being direct family as brothers and sisters to our Savior, to Christ. That's a very powerful statement. And so, you know, think of your own life. I don't know, you know, your, your own family, your siblings. I mean, siblings, you know, it's a different level of connection, is it not? You have friends. And then you have direct family. You actually, in some ways, may be closer to your friends than your family. But nevertheless, your family is your family. So I have one brother. Seven and a half billion people on the planet Earth, but I have one brother. He lives down in Nova Scotia. We don't see each other a lot, but our relationship is that of brothers. Brother to brother. Same with what your reality is. And so as that connection can be very powerful, so the writer of Hebrews says that we are brothers with Christ. His advent brings this relationship of kinship, of of being a family, familial relationship. 
So again, you know, through it all, do we know that Jesus is our friend? Do we know that Jesus is our brother who cares for us and walks with us? Through all the ups and downs of life, he is there for us. Jesus is our friend. Interesting in 3 John, a book that we don't look at very much, 3 John, verse 15, I think, it says, oh, it's not, where is it, sorry. We are friends, 3 John, I'm looking at the wrong one, stay with me here. <laughs> yes, 3 John writes, peace to you. The friends send you their greetings, greet the friends there each by name. I like that that John uses this language of friends for other brothers and sisters in Christ. We are friends. We are brothers and sisters together. So we are friends with Jesus. We are brothers and sisters with Jesus. In this season of waiting, we wait as friends. We also wait as brothers and sisters. And so we are in a community together that connects us on those deep levels. So we're not people that we hardly connect with at all. We are friends, we are family, brothers and sisters together because we are brothers and sisters with Christ. So I pray then in this season of waiting, it's coming to a close, these last few days before Christmas, that indeed we might be mindful, mindful of his love, mindful of his goodness to us. We are there with him as brothers, sisters, in this concluding season of Advent, as we look to the new year, to go into that year, which is the year of our Lord, years of knowing him as our brother, knowing him as our friend, knowing him as our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord, May we have that. May we hold that together. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.